Welcome to Happened Here. People, places and the stories they tell. I'm Sharma Rahman, host of this episode, Georgina and Diana. Some of you will be very familiar with the People's Princess, Diana Spencer, the first wife of Prince Charles, mother of William and Harry, who tragically died in a car accident in 1997. Maybe fewer will know about her relative, Georgina, Duchess of Devonshire, one of the most prominent figures in the late 18th century. In this episode, we will hear echoes down the centuries of what it is to be a woman in the full glare of the media and public view, of Georgina, big hair and celebrity, and of how she used her fame to canvass in one of the most notorious elections of the 18th century. Without further ado, let's begin. Kensington Palace and Devonshire House, Central London. Parallel Lives, written by Holly Harland, performed by Joanna Lumley. When she died, thousands of people, remembering her ease of manner with all walks of life, her activism, acknowledging one of the most compelling women of her day, spontaneously took to the streets of London to pay their respects. In life, it was written... When she appeared, every eye was turned towards her. When absent, she was the subject of universal conversation. This could indeed be a description of Lady Diana Spencer, born 1961, married to Prince Charles, eldest son of Queen Elizabeth II, chased into a tunnel in Paris by the paparazzi and killed aged 36. But it isn't. It's a description of her great-great-great-great-great-aunt, Georgina, Duchess of Devonshire, née Spencer, born in 1757. Both thrust into the public eye at a young age, marrying out of and into two of the most prominent families in England, becoming objects of almost unbearable public scrutiny, Georgina and Diana are uncannily linked across the centuries. Tall, blonde and stylish, icons of fashion, both groundbreaking activists, Georgina with her foray into the bear pit of electioneering and her charitable work for freed black slaves, Diana with her empathetic support of AIDS victims and her work on the clearance of mines. Diana and Georgina were adored by friends and their children for their sense of fun. Both sought the approval of distant husbands. Once, early in her marriage, Georgina's husband, William Cavendish, was drinking tea with her mother and sister when she came into the room, sat on his lap and wrapped her arms around his neck in a spontaneous gesture of affection. He simply unwrapped them, stood up and left the room. The tone for their marriage was set. Princess Diana famously surprised her husband by appearing on stage at a gala at the Royal Opera House with ballet star Wayne Sleep in a dance routine to Uptown Girl. Charles did not join in the eight standing curtain calls. Maybe he felt left out, maybe he just wasn't any more impressed by her joie de vivre than the Duke of Devonshire had been by Georgina's. Indeed, neither Spencer woman found refuge in a loving marriage. Diana, in a now infamous interview in 1995, reflected ruefully, 
There were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. She was referring to Camilla Parker Bowles, then mistress of Prince Charles. Georgina had faced an even more unusual marital arrangement. A new friend, Lady Elizabeth Foster, Bess, came to visit her in 1782, became her husband's mistress, and never left. They lived in a ménage à trois for over 20 years. In the later years of their marriages, Diana and Georgina had love affairs of their own with men they truly loved and who loved them back. And in both cases, the husband's mistress became the second wife once the Spencer woman died. Their deaths both caused huge displays of public affection. Thousands of people streamed into Piccadilly to gather at the now-demolished Devonshire House to remember Georgina, while over 60 million flowers were left at the gates of Kensington Palace after Diana's death, just a few miles to the west on the other side of Hyde Park. As Prime Minister Tony Blair said of Diana, she was the people's princess. One might say that Georgina had been the people's duchess. The 20th century press followed what Diana wore, her sense of fashion with a passion. The 18th century press noted that Georgina too attracted the eyes of the gaping magnitude. They knew that talk about her style and her antics kept her in the spotlight and sold copies. Tavistock Street, Covent Garden. She had to sit on the floor. Written by Holly Harland, Performed by Zach Ghazi Torbati. Georgiana Spencer, Duchess of Devonshire, sits on the floor of her carriage. She's a member of the aristocracy, a famous socialite, an author, and an activist. It's 1784, and there is a general election coming up. She's not on the floor to hide herself, but to give her hairstyle the space it deserves. The three-foot-high hairstyle sticks out of a window. The teal-coloured ostrich feathers flutter in the breeze as Georgiana rehearses her speech in support of the Whig party. Anna cranes out of the window of her shop on Tavistock Street. Can you see her yet? One of her assistants asks the milliner. After years of following her every move, Anna can't quite believe her luck. Georgiana is coming here, and Anna will get to see her in person. Everyone in the street is waiting impatiently for Georgiana Spencer to arrive. Georgiana is hosting an event to rustle up votes for the Whig Party. Does Anna know Georgiana? No. Does she feel like she knows her? Yes. Anna reads about her weekly in the newspapers, you know, what she does, what she wears. She's been reading about Georgiana since she married William Cavendish, Duke of Devonshire in 1774. It was at a period when increased newspaper reporting followed the end of official censorship. This, combined with faster printing and quicker roads, meant that Georgiana joined politicians and other national figures to become the first generation of celebrities. Anna's friends love to hear about Georgiana's fruitful life, 
Anna is more enamoured with her preposterous hair. How will she be turning heads today? I can see her hair. It must be her carriage, Anna cries. Georgiana's signature three-foot hair tower is adorned with pearls and <gasps> her signature ostrich feathers. Mr Gilbert, her personal hairdresser, has outdone himself. He's used pads of horsehair to heighten the hair and scented wax to attach the decorations. Anna's heard rumours that lard is used to keep the hair strategically in place, but it attracts rats. Maybe it's a good thing Anna can't afford this exclusive hair trend. Anna would rather not have to have a cage placed over her hair while sleeping to deter rodents attracted to the rancid smell. Some of Georgiana's other extravagant hairstyles have included a ship in full sail, an exotic arrangement of stuffed birds and waxed fruit, or even a pastoral tableau with little wooden trees and sheep. However, Anna's favourites are Georgiana's ostrich feather innovations. The feathers, imported from Paris, add height, colour and fluff. It's clear why Georgiana is portrayed as the empress of fashion in the press. Georgiana gingerly makes her way out of her carriage. Anna is impressed with how well Georgiana moves with her improbable hairstyle. She loves the look and wonders how long it will take to be imitated. I'd vote for the Whig Party, if only I was allowed to vote, thinks Anna. And then, what will her next trend be? She looks at the ostrich feathers on display in her window and knows they'll all be sold out by the close of the day. Maybe three-foot hairstyles will become a trend again? Come to think of it, the 60s beehive, anyone? Georgina was indeed famous for her fashion sense, but she also defied what was expected of women of the day when she took sides in a famously rumbustious election. Henrietta Street, Southampton Street, Tavistock Street and the Piazza, Covent Garden. Votes for Kisses Written by Holly Harland Performed by Kate Reed. Georgiana Cavendish, Duchess of Devonshire, born into one of the grandest families in England, was charismatic, famous and a political trailblazer. In the fiercely contested general election of 1784, Georgiana threw her celebrity into canvassing for her distant cousin, Charles James Fox, one of the most controversial politicians of the day, and caused a storm. There were two political parties in the fray, Tories, led by Pitt the Younger, and the more liberal Whigs, of whom Fox was the most prominent figure. Whigs believed in the rights of the individual, were beginning to agitate for the abolition of slavery, was supportive of the American colony's bid for freedom and sought further reduction of the king's powers. Fox, loathed by King George III, was one of three candidates standing for two parliamentary seats in the important constituency of Westminster, where, unusually, public opinion mattered and votes were to be swayed. The other two candidates were Tories, one of them a war hero. 
Fox was trying to hold his seat. Political opinion thought he would lose it. Georgiana was determined he would not. So, dressed in the wig colours of blue and buff, foxtails cunningly placed with the feathers in her hat, jostled, jeered and cheered in equal measure, she crisscrossed the streets of Covent Garden, where the hustings and polling booths had been set up, handing out medals struck by the foxites, tramping over broken cobbles on Henrietta Street, visiting hatmakers in Tavistock Street, patronising many a shop and tavern, followed down Southampton Street by a band of musicians playing marrow bones and cleavers as instruments and giving herself sore feet and blisters. It was radical stuff. Women should not solicit votes. They certainly didn't have the vote. The Tory-supporting Morning Post sneered that ladies who interest themselves so much in the case of elections are perhaps too ignorant to know that they meddle with what does not concern them. During the several weeks of the poll, Georgiana confronted, cajoled and wooed the voters. Caricatures of the Duchess kissing butchers, bakers and any man with a business in exchange for a vote circulated wildly. The Tory-favouring newspapers were relentless, making lewd suggestions that Georgiana was selling her body for votes, caressing her favourite member and grasping the fox's tail. Georgian politics were anything but genteel. On one occasion, she was roundly abused when she boldly walked into a house to confront seven drunken supporters of one of the opposition candidates, the war hero no less. Georgiana was only allowed to leave after she'd kissed them all, by which time a noisy mob was fighting to get in. His cousin did not suffer in vain, however. Fox narrowly won his seat, although his party lost the general election. But facing down the hostility, the Duchess had won a victory for women everywhere. Her and indeed other committed aristocratic women's involvement on both sides of that election in 1784 was a milestone in the development of female participation in British politics. Although it would be well over 100 years later before women would take to the streets to demand the vote itself, Georgiana, despite the vitriol, had lit the long fuse of women's emancipation. The streets of London, 200 years apart. The voracious demands of the press, 200 years apart. The fragility that comes with fame. Two women from one of the oldest aristocratic houses in Britain with the strength to develop their own identities, exploit their fame, challenge their position as women and make a difference to the world. Hi, Joanna Lumley here. Look, I'm just saying how exciting Happened Here is. Great stories, great to work with some marvellous young writers and performers. Oh, look, why don't you come and join us at happenedhere.com? Come on. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please share, tell your friends and leave us a kind review and a rating on your podcast platform of choice. It does make a difference. But for now, everybody involved in Happened Here, the writers, the hosts, the performers, thanks you for listening. Do come again. We've got lots more stories to tell.